Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio today with Eli McCann. Hey, Eli. Hello. How's it going? Good. We're without Nick again. We are sadly without Nick. He has a real job that had a real meeting during this time, unfortunately. Aww. So we'll miss him. Unlike us, he has a real job. <laughs> Unlike us, he works for a living. Uh, what have you been watching? Two things that I was going to talk about. One is I started Sharp Objects. Oh my God, me too. So it seems really good. I have to admit, I think I have not been great at paying attention. And so I will tell you, this seems like a show that you actually do need to pay attention to. I don't know why I didn't think it was going to be. But so I'm like episode four and I'm a little confused about what is happening. But it seems good. Uh, Okay, so I'm having a similar issue. Kind of for a little bit of a different reason. It's a very stressful show to watch. Mm -hmm. So if I give it my full attention, I'm too stressed out. Why do you think it's stressful? Uh, Just like the images and uh, the, it's like haunting Southern Gothic. Just like very ominous. And you just know bad things are happening or going to happen. Well, the premise of the show is that young women are getting kidnapped and disappearing. And like episode one, you see a corpse show up in the town and like it only gets weirder from there. Yeah. I have to play solitaire while I watch it. (laughs) So I'm like one eye on my phone and one eye on the show just so like I don't have a mental breakdown. Oh, you're playing solitaire on your phone. Yeah. I was about to praise you for not using your phone as a distraction because that's what I've been doing. Oh, no, I'm not pulling out a deck of cards. I'm like... (laughs) On my phone. And so there are times when I have to ask Steven, like, what just happened? And I mm-hmm. think he's, like, real close to murdering me. But I can't <laughs> I can't give it my full attention because I will shrink into a black hole and yeah. die. Yeah. Well, I started watching it mostly because Patty Clarkson's in it. And mm-hmm. I love her. I want her to be in all things. Phenomenal. She's phenomenal. And I love her in all things. Amy Adams is in it, too. And I always think that I don't like Amy Adams, but every time I see something that she's in, I'm like, oh, no, I do like her. And I was talking to Skylar about this the other day, and he's like, I always think I don't like Amy Adams either. And we realized that the reason is she left such a bad taste in our mouths from Julie and Julia. Remember yeah. how awful her character she's, was in that? She, her character's awful. She was good at in the movie, though. Yeah, but, Amy Adams isn't awful. It's the way they wrote her yeah. obnoxious, obnoxious character. That character was one of the most annoying characters I have seen in a movie. That's supposed to be like a protagonist that you're 100% supposed to relate to. 100% agree. And it just, that has forever stuck in my mind. And even though... I think she was good in that movie at playing this awful character. And even though I think she's good in everything that I see, that's the character I associate her with. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Amy Adams is annoying. Well, I think that's the first time we all, like, saw her writ large. Like, she was—we all knew who Amy Adams was after Julie and Julia. Really? Was that, like, her first—when when was Doubt? Oh, Doubt. Because she so did Doubt. Weird. And she did and Enchanted. I think she did Doubt and Julie and Julia with Meryl Streep in the same year. They, like, did two movies together that were— a, like That's right. That's right. And was that the year Meryl Streep was nominated for both movies? There was one so. year where she was nominated twice in the same category. Uh, that sounds right. Anyway, the point is, Julie and Julia is a movie that I like. I wish that they had just cut out all of the Julie parts and had it just only be... Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I wish every movie was just Meryl Streep. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so the point is, Sharp Objects, I'm going to probably finish it later this I think, week. I think we'll talk about Sharp Objects next week okay. since we're all watching it. That show was made for me. Yeah. You know, females dealing mm-hmm. with each other, Gillian Flynn, mystery, there's mm-hmm. going to be a twist. It's in the South. I'm eating it up, and I also hate it. 
Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be so relieved when it's over. Uh-huh. What else are you watching? So I finally watched. I had a lot of people tell me that I need to watch this. Steve Martin and Martin Short's comedy special on Netflix. Oh, I've heard it's good. Okay, so Jolyn, our friend Jolyn, kept telling me I needed to watch it. And I sort of thought that it, I wouldn't be into it. Because remember how recently we were talking about, like, Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, how, like, it was funny in its time, but now humor has evolved a little bit, and yeah. that's just not funny. You felt like you were going to get Father of the Bride? I thought I was going to get Father of the Bride or SNL circa 1978. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this thing and be like, oh, my parents would love this, but this is, you know, it is really funny. Really? I felt myself rooting for them. I was, like, really happy that they've, (laughs) like, you know, it's just like a couple of guys in their 60s or however old they are now who are just like, hey, we can actually still be pretty funny. And it is very much their humor, but they have figured out how to make it funny in 2018. And so they have like a whole segment where they go back and forth and give each other backhanded compliments and they're really clever and they play off of each other really well. Also, did you know Steve Martin plays the banjo? Yeah. And he's really good. He came to Deer Valley last year and did performance with the symphony, actually. Did you go to it? No, I wish I would have. That's like his career now. He's like touring with the banjo. He's amazing. (laughs) In the special, he brings out his banjo. He's like, I'm going to play the banjo now. And I was oh, this is going to be a comedy routine. And it wasn't. And for like eight minutes, he just does a medley of all of his banjo songs. And like there's a band behind him. And I was into it. The whole time I was just like, this is a good performance. Which that's saying a lot because anyone pulls out a banjo, I'm like. <sighs> yeah. Who wakes up in the morning is like, today I'd like to listen to banjo music all day. Nobody. But, but it was really good. So I recommend, I think I recommend it to anybody. Okay. It sort of has like a broad general appeal, and it's only an hour. Awesome. Huh? Anything else? Mm, nope, I think that's it for me. So because Sharp Objects is so stressful, I need to watch something immediately after. Okay. And I've decided to rewatch Parks and Rec. Good. I started with season two. Okay. Season one, I just remember not liking very much yeah. and almost giving up on the show. So I jumped right in with season two this time. I'm on like season three now. Mm-hmm. And it's just so delightful. Yeah. And requires nothing from me. <laughs> you know? Right. It's just like I'm like spending time with friends before I fall asleep. Yeah. Really enjoying it. We've just met Ben Wyatt and Chris Traeger, who I think add a lot to the show. What season do they come in? I think it's three. Oh, is it that early? I always think of them as like later season characters. And they've, uh, yeah, season three, and they've just, we've like met little Sebastian okay. for the first time. Like, just Love it. the jokes are so great. They make that town feel so real to me. Yeah. In my mind, that is a real town, and it is a very typical small town. One thing I never could get as a good sense of, I had this problem with Parks and Rec and with Friday Night Lights is they could never get a good sense of how big the town was because sometimes it seems like everybody knows everybody, but then she, like, runs for city council and it feels like she is running for president of the United States. It is huge but like, election. isn't that kind of how it is? I live in Salt Lake, but really I feel like I live in my neighborhood, you know, yeah. like, and everybody knows everybody in my neighborhood, but if I were to go outside, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of build a community around you mm-hmm. within your community. That's the sense I get from Parks and Rec. Friday Night Lights, I have no idea how big their town was. Friday Night Lights, it was sort of the same thing where sometimes it seemed like everybody knew everybody, and then all of a sudden one season they're like, oh, there are two giant high schools in this town, and... 60,000 people come to every football game. It was just, it was always so, I was like, wait, I didn't even know there were that many people living in the town. What was, was the town? Really, it was in Tyler, was it? No, it was, um, 
Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't think of this right now. Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, Texas. That's right. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, okay, so. Okay, Parks and Rec. Parks good. and Rec. And that's it. That and Sharp Objects. I don't know how many more episodes of Sharp Objects there are, but I, I've just got to get through it. Oh, this is relevant to Hive Mind. <laughs> I've been like talking about this for 24 hours now, and I just realized I could actually talk about this here. Did you see on Twitter? So yesterday, sorry, political warning, politics warning. Is this the Veep thing? Yeah. So yesterday, Donald Trump had a phone call with the president of Mexico, and apparently like all of the news stations went live in the Oval Office as it was supposed to be connecting the call, but it took a while to connect the call. This doesn't matter, but it was just sort of funny because he's sitting at this desk and he's just pushing buttons and, hello, uh, can we get this connected? And it's just like kind of, well, this guy on Twitter took... The music from Veep and, you know, the end of every episode of Veep will go to a split screen and the right side has credits running with the music and the left side has the people sort of acting incompetently in Washington and dealing with the fallout of whatever happened to that episode. And so he did the split screen of the Veep music and whatever with the Donald Trump phone thing on the left side. And it is absolutely hysterical and fits perfectly. And then after he tweeted that one, he tweeted again and he said, oh my gosh, it works just as well with the music from Curb Your Enthusiasm. And so he did another one. Just go look at it. The guy on Twitter is Arlen Parsa, A-R-L-E-N-P-A-R-S-A, if you haven't seen it. And then this morning, Julia Louis-Dreyfus retweeted his thing and was like, the experiment is a success. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it done before, too. Early in his presidency, he was supposed to sign a bill. Uh (laughs) He walks out of the room without signing it. Mm -hmm. And the reporters are all left there like, did he sign it? I don't think he signed it. And the Veep credits are going real good stuff. I need to see it. Veep is the best thing HBO has done. Yeah. No, it's good. But you know what else is good? Hmm. Succession. (sighs) Which is why we're here today. Okay. Succession. The reason why I watched it, Meg, is because you told me that it was the best season finale you had ever seen. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm willing to watch an entire show just to see if Meg is right. Uh Uh-huh. I will say halfway through the season finale, I was this is kind of a typical season finale. And then it went crazy. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. And so maybe we should not jump to the season finale yet. But I will just say two thumbs up on the whole thing for me. Yeah. So I've heard from a number of people who have watched the first episode and were like, man, I hate these people. Mm -hmm. I can't watch anymore. Which I 100% understand. By the end of episode two, I was like, man, these people are the worst people I've ever encountered. Which is the point of Mm -hmm. the show, I think. And I think it's worth watching to see why they're horrible and the consequences of their horribleness. And the whole premise of the show is there's this father who's built his fortune, like built his fortune, bootstrapped his fortune, Mm -hmm. built a media empire, and he has these four children who have always had money Mm -hmm. um, and who are in one way or another involved in the business and are so immensely screwed up. And the the children are all now in their, like, 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just hot messes of Mm -hmm. people. And, like, some of them have good careers, but, like, their relationships are a mess. Some of them... One of them lives out on a ranch because he's, like, incapable of doing anything um, else. Uh, Ferris Bueller. What, it's the guy from Cameron. Ferris, Cameron from Ferris Who Bueller. I think was my favorite character. Yeah. 
Maybe Cousin Greg. And he's, ugh, he's something else in the show. <laughs> cousin Greg is their deadbeat cousin who got fired from the amusement park that they run for being high and vomiting. Uh-huh. And he just shows up in New York and kind of starts hanging out with them, gets a job at this media empire. And it's just problem after problem. If you're a Veep watcher, I compared Cousin Greg to Jonah. Yes. It's like kind of the same character. He's not a jerk, though. Yeah. He's just kind of there to Bumbly. be like the one person on the show you can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just, you're not really rooting for anybody. Like, uh, there were times where I was rooting for the oldest son who is trying to take over the business. Or not the old. I don't think he's the oldest. I think Cameron no, sorry. is. But the, the, the main son. The protege. Yeah, the protege. Uh, the who, heir to the Who mostly business. does seem to have good intentions. Like, he mostly yes. is trying to just help the family move the business forward and deal with kind of the changes that are coming because of the dad's failing health. Which often leads to him butting heads with his dad. Yeah. And you kind of want to root for this guy because he does seem to have a better head on his shoulders than his father, who seems to be suffering from some form of dementia mm-hmm. and has failing health. On the other hand, the father did build this thing. Yeah. You know? And it seems a little uh, duplicitous to have the son want to take that from him, Mm -hmm. which is what he ultimately wants to do. And so it's a big power struggle between the two of them. Meanwhile, the other siblings are dealing with all sorts of nonsense, self-imposed nonsense. Mm -hmm. Uh, One can't be faithful to her fiancé. Roman is like like a a 14-year-old boy. A 14-year-old boy. One of them has hired a prostitute to be his long-term girlfriend. (laughs) They're all over the place. And I I don't know that I understand the point of the show, but it was like a lot of fun. Yeah. Like the difference between this and Sharp Objects, when Succession, when the season ended, I was bummed. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed watching the journey. The Sharp mess. objects. I'm like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Uh, best character of succession, though, for me, was the general counsel of the company. Jerry. Jerry. This woman named Jerry, and she's like probably in her 60s. And as as an attorney, I have known a lot of like general counsel of large companies or, you know, yeah. interacted with them. And they, it's like they did their research and picked a person who looked exactly like a general counsel and then got her to act exactly like one where she's always calm. She's mm-hmm. always put together. She's always sort of like very subtly rolling her eyes to how like stupid this family is <laughs> and like professional at all times. And sort of while they're all unraveling, she's like kind of like slipping in and doing the quick thing to just make things function for the day. And she is a phenomenal character because you never know who she's going to, like, side with or who she's going to help because ultimately, like, her devotion is just to the company. And so there's this whole story arc where the son wants to have a vote of no confidence and boot out his dad. And it's sort of like this insurgent uprising thing that he's trying to build. And she thinks that it's a good idea because she thinks the dad is having problems. And so she's sort of like helping, giving him advice on that. But when it finally comes and happens, they're sitting around the board, like in the boardroom, having this meeting. 
and everybody's like doing their votes and she kind of starts to see like there's a possibility that we don't win this. And so she just sort of backs off of it and does so in a way that she gets none of the mud on her face. And yeah. she's just like, as general counsel for the company, I must abstain from this, you know, or whatever she, whatever yeah. she says. It is so well written. And so I always appreciate when a show is the opposite of Jurassic World, <laughs> where you can tell that they actually talked to people who are in that world that they're trying to depict to figure out how did these things actually work? What did these people actually do? And I'm not a business person, but I imagine based on the fact that they wrote her character so well, that people who are kind of in that industry might say, "Uh, yeah, that's kind of what our board meetings look like or whatever. I'd be curious to talk to somebody about that. So I'm married to a business person Mm -hmm. who I had to ask a lot of questions of during this show because there were a lot of terms like bear hug where I just didn't know what that was. What is that? It's where they... They do like the vote of no confidence and they, uh, well, no, sorry. It's what they had planned to do by the end of the show where they take over all the equity and pretty much bump the actual owner of the company out, which was the plan. And that's called a bear hug? Uh Because I remember the dad saying, this is a bear hug, isn't it? Or whatever. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. And so, I mean, there are some terms you can Google during this that help make the show make sense. It's interesting that it comes from Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Um, Adam McKay mm. produced The Big Short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that he is very... Did you see The Big Short? Mm-mm. The Big Short is very good. Um, it does a deep dive into the 2007 financial crisis. Oh. Uh, where, where do you find it? I think it might be on Netflix. Is it a series or No, it's a movie. movie. It okay. was like a big deal. Um, okay. It's, it's got like Margot Robbie and Steve oh. Carell and Christian Bale. Okay. Um, And so he's very, I think he's kind of obsessed with the way rich people are so reckless Mm -hmm. with the economy and with their employees and with stability, which the show does a good job demonstrating. Yeah, it was interesting. One of the things as I was watching it that I kept thinking was, what would it be like to be in a position where if you made a bad decision, thousands of people would lose their job? I can't even comprehend that. There's even a point where one of their bad decisions is potentially costing people their lives. It ends up just costing a couple people their arms. But, you know, like same kind of thing. Yeah, he does a business. Yeah, there's a business decision that he makes to, like, do a thing that ends up turning into a disaster. And he thinks that people have been, like, hurt. Well, people get hurt in this, but he's, like, just relieved that they only lost limbs. Yeah. Yeah. And... I can't imagine being in a position like that. And it's kind of morbidly funny when it happens. Yeah. But you take a step back, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is real. Yeah. This is like people who run car companies knowing that there's a problem. Yeah. Right? You know, like this is like representative of actually what happens when you have so much We're money. putting this car out on the road and I hope that people don't get killed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So how did this show make you feel about your level of prosperity it confirmed how i already felt because i've thought for a long time that being a billionaire sounds terrible to me i told you this recently meg but i think having 10 to 20 million dollars would be amazing and then any more than that would start to get terrible and it would get increasingly terrible the more money there was but i just think that i'm not built to deal with that kind of wealth Maybe there are people who are just like, they can emotionally handle the fact that decisions they make affect that many people. I'm just not one of those people, and I don't want to be. On the one hand, I watched the show, I was like, man, those are some beautiful apartments. 
You know, like, and yeah. oh, it would be great to have someone set my table every day for me. On the other hand, it's like, ah, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and it's clearly impossible to be well adjusted with that immense of fortune. Yeah. And they portray these people to have just endless amounts of money. Yeah. So I agree. I think that there's a point where you have too much money. Well, and you think too, if so, I'm in my mid 30s now. If I came into that, amount of money at this point or like kind of built that amount of money, I could probably with a lot of concerted effort figure out a way to still be grounded on some level. I think I could. I think I could at this point. Maybe I'm being naive, but if I had been born into that, yeah, I don't know what kind of crazy person I would be. And that's what one of the things I liked about the show is there are moments where you see the father looking at his kids like, I have destroyed I've ruined you. you. I have ruined you. Yeah. And the responsibility and the shame he feels about that, mm-hmm. which is super interesting because you do, you want to give your kids everything, right? Yeah. You want yeah. your kids to be happy. And when your kid wants a bike, you want to buy your kid a bike. But like that just becomes exponentially more, the more money you have, your kid doesn't want your bike, your kid wants a Ferrari, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, I think it would be really hard to rein it in. It would be impossible to spend the money on yourself and not let your kids benefit from it. Yeah. So you would have to do this crazy thing where you just, you have all this money, but you live like you don't. Yeah. And I don't know how many people could do that. I don't think many because spending money is so fun. It is wonderful. It's the best. And knowing that you have this safety net where it's like, I don't have to worry about like any tragedy putting me on the streets because at the end of the day, I have an unlimited amount of money that I can just pay off my problems, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I am not looking to be a billionaire. So that's why I'm not one. <laughs> yeah, me too. I made a choice. <laughs> By the way, what did you think of the wife character, the old guy's wife? I mean, I was kind of into her. Like, she's she's a cold-ass bitch. But she's like, a good she character. She is fierce and looking out for herself which I think you would have to do in that family. Mm-hmm. And Do you think she has good intentions with her husband too? Yeah, I actually do. But I she, think she... She sees her, she and her husband against the world, yes, kind of. against the rest of the family. Mm. And I think she's doing what she needs to do to get the most money when he eventually dies. <laughs> I sided with her more than anyone, actually. You did? Yes. Should we talk about the season finale? Yeah. Okay, so spoiler alert. What is his name? The son. Kendall? Kendall. Kendall. Is planning with two partners to bear hug his father out of the company, meaning that he and the owner of another media conglomerate are going to buy enough shares of the company to push out his father. Mm-hmm. Kendall, the night of his sister's wedding. In Ireland? In, I thought it was Scotland. Scotland. They're one of those places. Over there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Where they have bad teeth. Mm -hmm. He has a drug problem. He finds this dumb waiter kid. Mm -hmm. Who's working the wedding. Who's working the wedding and is outside smoking pot. Starts smoking pot with the kid. Asks if they can get something stronger. Mm -hmm. He wants cocaine, I think. Yeah. Okay. Kid says, I know a guy. Mm Mm-hmm. So Kendall hops in the car. Kendall doesn't drive a lot because he usually has a town car, right? Mm-hmm. Not super great at driving. He's also high as mm-hmm. a kite and drunk, I assume, at this point. 
kid hops in the car with them. They're on their way to go get cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a deer in the road. Kid freaks out, takes the steering wheel, veers into a lake. Mm-hmm. Kendall manages to get out of the car. Kid does not. Kendall tries a few times to kind of dip down to see if he can save him. The water is ice cold. I didn't feel like he tried as hard as he could He have. tried like twice, and then he just kind of goes over to the side and, and just sort of sits there and is like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. And also Kendall's high. like Very high. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But the whole thing was really stressful to watch. And all of four minutes, maybe? It was, yeah, it was quick. And it's sort of like all these businessy things are happening, and then this like one just like real lifey tragedy mm-hmm. gets thrown in the mix, and Kendall walks home, and it felt to me very crime and punishmenty. If you've ever read that book, the way they describe this kind of murder happening at the beginning, and you just feel like, oh my gosh, if he could just take that back, oh my gosh, if he could just like undo that one thing or whatever. It's just like this very really burden. stressful burden. Yeah. As a viewer, I felt this stressful burden, right? and he goes and he walks all the way back to the castle where this wedding party is still happening and dances uh, with his wife and kids. Yeah. He breaks into his room and Oh, that's right. he realizes that he's lost his card and he's like, Oh crap, because he thinks he might've left it in the car or something. And, but he breaks into his room, he washes himself up and then he goes into the party and just acts like nothing has happened. Oh, it's so well done and so crazy. And the whole time I'm thinking, what is he going to do? Call the police. Call the police and tell them that somebody brought... Well, that's what he should do. Yeah. But I was just like, okay, if he wanted to get away with this and not have his name, you know, tarnished and whatever else because he's a kind of a bad person, maybe he should just call the police and report that like his room has been broken into and that would explain why his car got away because maybe that kid broke into his room and was trying to steal something and took his wallet or, you know, whatever and then drove away with it and this and that. And I was like, there's a way out for him. There's a way out for him. It was one of those interesting things where you're trying to like figure out like what's he going to do to get out of this. But but he doesn't do, he anything do anything until breakfast the next morning. He wakes up and goes into where everybody's eating breakfast and you can tell he's kind of trying to feel the room. Yeah. Anybody know that there was a death last night yet? And cousin Greg mentions that one of the kids is missing. Mm-hmm. They found his body. Mm-hmm. And his dad pulls him aside and tells him that they've found this kid, they found this body. Mm-hmm. And then he asks everyone to leave the room. Mm-hmm. And he tells them they found his key card in the car. Yeah. And then he says, "We these guys are good guys, meaning like the Scottish police. The police. That kid, he broke into your room. Mm-hmm. He took your keys. He took the car. That's that. And it's this understanding like, I am saving you right and, now. And now? You are not going to suffer any consequences from mm-hmm. this because you're going to let me keep my company. And you're going to leave. And Kendall starts crying. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? He uses it as leverage. And also, yeah. it's a, like a confusing moment because also the dad has had all these really awful head buddy moments with his kids. But every once in a while throughout the season, he kind of seemed to genuinely love them. But it was like, is this real or is he just faking is it? This a power you move? could never tell. Yeah. And this was a build up all to this one really big one where he's hugging his son and it's just like, you're going to be OK. Is he like trying to save him partly because he loves his son or is this 100 percent? A power move, and you don't know, and they don't answer that for you, which no. is one of the brilliant things of this show. Because no. the family dynamics are so crazy, you can never tell if these people actually on some level care about one another. And they're crazy in 
the dad is publishing tabloid stories about his son crazy mm-hmm. for Lethbridge. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bananas. And I just love that it ends with rich people can get away with literally anything. Literally <laughs> murder. <laughs> and, like, you know that's happened. Yeah. You know that's actually happened. Mm-hmm. Really stellar season finale. I can't wait to see what they do in season two. Mm-hmm. It's a fun show. It's a stressful show. If you can handle a lot of F words, yeah. <laughs> I would recommend it to you. Apart from that, I didn't think that there was a lot of content apart from just like bad language. There's, that some, was really there's some weird sexual Some sexual stuff. references. Roman's pretty weird, but... I honestly, if I had to guess, I would think it's an accurate depiction. Like, there are some shows, like The Wire, mm-hmm. where the F word is, like, more than any other word, where I'm like, I don't know. This doesn't... Who talks like this? Yeah, yeah. But this one, I'm like, I bet that a Manhattan super wealthy media mogul company, this is probably how they talk. And these are probably the things they do. Mm-hmm. So if looking at a life like that is interesting to you, check out Succession. Yep. Uh, next week, we will do a deep dive into Sharp Objects. Yes. If I can survive watching the rest of the season. Same. Um, we will see you then. Bye.